Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. That was, that was a very early recognition that I was smart, I was gifted, but I wasn't able to fit into the box that the teachers wanted me to fit into. Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD Nerds Podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. This is episode one, and I am talking today with one of my favorite people, my friend, Stephen Scott. Stephen shares hard-won wisdom on life and fatherhood, and we talk a bit about life with a radiant brain, systems for creating and writing, and guilt-free meditation and morning pages. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Thunknotes, the modern daily thinking tool. This is one of my favorite new writing tools. I use it for journaling in the morning and planning out my day. It's got a beautiful interface and a lot of powerful features like bi-directional linking, templates, daily notes, and a gorgeous graph view. I think you'll really enjoy it, and you can try it for free by going to ADHDnerds.com thunk. That's T-H-U-N-K. And if you sign up, you'll get a 20% discount for your first year. I think you're going to love this tool, so check it out. Now let's get to the show. Well, Steven, welcome here. It's great to have you. Hey, Jesse. It's good to be here. I love what you're doing, and this topic is very close to my heart. So happy just to hang out and see if we can share some ideas back and forth. Awesome. So I know because we're friends, we've talked a lot about it. I know you haven't officially been diagnosed with ADHD, but you're pretty sure you have it. And I'd love to hear kind of what that story was like. Like, when did you first start to think that you might have it and what sort of maybe convinced you? And yeah, just like, what what is that kind of ADHD origin story like for you? Yeah, thanks. Well, I need to go back to being a student. And I remember very distinctly when uh, there's a educational psychologist that was in the classroom and she was just observing what was happening. And after class, she called me out of class and said, I noticed you got up quite a bit and you were, you know, moving around the classroom. And she was asking me about that. Um, you know, from a very early age, I knew that I was different and I thought differently. And I was always, when my school it was kind of the gifted students program is what it was called. And I always tested into the gifted students program. But when I got there, I wasn't able to, to sustain it. I remember very distinctly that I would do problems in a different way. And I didn't have the the skills to to stay in the program and then I was moved back down and so yeah that was that was a very early recognition that I was smart I was gifted but I wasn't able to fit into the box that the teachers wanted me to fit into so that that was my first indicator right right yeah I have I had the same sort of thing where I like you know, in elementary school have like advanced test placement where they're like, oh, this kid's real smart. We should put them in with the smart kids or whatever. And then, yeah, and then everything fell apart. And pretty soon it was like, oh, this is maybe not. Uh, I know there's a thing called twice exceptional, which is like sort of referring to the idea of like one being exceptional and that they're smart or, you know, test 
manifesting well, whatever you want to say that intelligence level, and then exceptional and like having a neurodivergence, like mm -hmm. having ADHD or autism or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I actually in seventh grade, I placed into eighth grade math and then I got a D. So they held me back. So in eighth grade, I was in eighth grade math again. And then I got held back a third or a second time. So I ended up taking the same math class three years in a row, oh, wow. seventh, eighth and ninth grade. <laughs> I took eighth grade math, but <laughs> never could quite progress. Yeah. You know, I, I have a couple of math stories. It's interesting to me because I, I remember being placed in a higher math class also. And for whatever reason, I was drawing boxes around all my problems. And a student turned to me and said, we don't do that here. We don't draw boxes around our problems, but it was it was helpful for me for whatever reason to segment mm -hmm. my page. It was working for my brain. And another math story, I remember in the eighth grade, there was a math test and the teacher gave an advanced problem and I ignored the rest of the test. You know, there are 30 <laughs> questions on it. And I only focused on the advanced problem because she said, none of you will be able to solve this. This is an advanced problem. And so I got right, a zero right. on everything, but I was able to solve the <laughs> the difficult <laughs> problem. So I, yeah, I, I was definitely different as a student. And to fast forward, I remember when the book came out, Driven to Distraction, and I I saw it in a bookstore and I was kind of like hiding, looking at this and, and reading it, like, wow, this is me. And there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of embarrassment mm -hmm. about the potential of being diagnosed with ADHD. I never went on to receive a formal diagnosis because I would judge myself as working at a high level. And I also recognize that I've suffered because of the way that my brain has worked. It's, it's been challenging. Sometimes I think that I have to work harder than other people and I wouldn't trade it. I, I actually love the way that I think and I would describe myself as having a radiant brain, an expansive brain, but it definitely does create work uh, at that times. Yeah, it's it's funny your story with math. I think that's probably really common with a lot of people of like, I'm solving the problem in the way that works for me. And it works like I'm coming up with with answers. And then for some reason, people jump in and want to just say, like, that's not how we do it. We yeah. don't do it that way. And which is always just like so it was so frustrating hearing that growing up because I'm like, why not? Like, why wouldn't if, if this works for me and this is the easy way for me to do it? Why isn't that allowed? It's like there's kids in school not knowing that they're being gatekeepers of just like how to do math, which is so ridiculous. Uh, and I've also done the thing you said of like, just focusing on the challenge that like that, because it, you know, sparks that interest and that competition of like, oh, you don't think I can do this? I'm going to prove you wrong and show you that I can take on this big challenge. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about choosing things that are fun. For me, the reason why I chose that last problem is because it was, it was one, the teacher said, none of you can do it. And so I was like, wait a minute, I'll, I'll do that. And it was also fun. And I didn't realize until much later in life that mathematics as an example it's it's solving a puzzle it's it's looking for a beautiful solution and when i was in school it was just drudgery because it was you have to solve in a particular way i think if i had found a teacher that said math is beautiful math is actually a creative enterprise i might have done uh, you know succeeded in math but i didn't i didn't really understand that math is a beautiful puzzle until much later on in my life right yeah i recently 
kind of posted about I had one math teacher that sort of like stuck out of like she understood like, OK, something's different about this kid. And I have, I have no idea if she knew I had ADHD because like no one knew at the time. But she recognized that same sort of like, OK, he does not like doing the repetitive math, giving him homework to do every day. Like I just didn't do any homework ever. I, but I would do really well on my tests. So I was learning. Yeah, I just couldn't the drudgery, like you said, I could not embrace the drudgery. But I loved the challenges. So yeah. this teacher actually gave me, she started giving me problems to work on. So she would hand out like homework to everyone else or classwork, you know, just like repeat the problem over and over again. But me, if I, as long as I kept my quizzes and tests like high, my grades high, she would give me problems to work on instead. So I would spend all time in math class working on these like complex math problems and kind of like what you suggested. Oh, this, this is like, there's like creativity in this. Like there can be creativity in math and like all these you know, like puzzle solving. And I think that's where like my career today where I'm a designer and a developer, it's like problem solving. I love solving problems. Right. And that like ADHD part of my brain really embraces that. That's incredible. And, and I think I have the illusion in life that academics had to be one path because oftentimes teacher, you know, with 30 kids in a class, they would say, here's how you solve it and you have to do it this way. The elegance of solving a design problem or solving a math problem is is looking at at other ways of doing it. And I think that's a it's an incredibly valuable skill to say, here's a problem and there are multiple solutions. And then to kind of pull back and right. say, what's the most elegant solution? What's the most beautiful solution? Yeah, that totally rings true in like the development world. Like the way you solve problems, it's like it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter how you do it as far as like you can do it any way you want, but there's elegant ways to do it for sure and nice ways to do it and ways you can solve a problem where you're like this is going to make things easier for future jesse because i'm putting in the work now to really line it up and make it awesome cool i know I know you've been, you know, we met through the Ship 30, right. uh, Ship 30 for 30 challenge, which was like, hey, write, you know, write and ship something every day for 30 days, which I don't know about you, but I was not a writer before that at all. I don't even know why I took the challenge. Um, and so I kind of am curious, why did you take the challenge? Like, What drew you to this this sort of a creative challenge of writing and releasing, publishing stuff every day? Yeah, thanks, Jesse. I've always felt that I've had a message that I wanted to, to share in my own personal backstory in addition to what I shared about having a different brain. I had a speech impediment growing up, and so school was very difficult for me. I, When I spoke, people laughed at me and made fun of me, and so I, I was very quiet. And I reached a point in my life where I knew that I had so much inside that I wanted to share wisdom and stories, and I wanted to give value to other people, and I was tired of hiding. I was tired of being small, and so I wanted to stretch the voice of public expression. And I do that. I've, I've learned to do that in professional settings and friendship settings, but I wanted to put myself into a scary situation of actually <laughs> not just creating something. And I've done that my whole life. Creativity has been just a passion of mine, you know, whether it's poetry or writing stories or writing, taking notes or photography, you name it. It's just always been a passion. But for me, the move was to go from expressing myself in a small group to expressing myself in public and, re and, and really stretching the muscle of, of sharing myself with the world. World. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, do you have do you have any like creative processes you use for continuing to create content like systems that work maybe for a while, maybe you switch them up. I know me, I have like a new system every couple months because the old one gets boring. And now it's time to move on to create a new way to propel me forward. But yeah, so like what kind of systems or creative process do you kind of embrace? Chaos. 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's nice. chaos, and then I try to piece things together. So it's like taking taking a cup and throwing it on the ground, and it shatters, and then trying to put it back together. Not really, <laughs> but but there is an element of of picking up pieces. So I, I hear something, I'm thinking about something, I have a dream, I write something in a journal. And what I try to do when I'm writing an essay, it's trying to to bring it all together. And it reaches a point where it's just, it's just something that I have to say. It's just something that, that emerges. As far as systems, I would benefit from having a system. I think there's a there's a part of my brain that that knows that setting up okay from this time to this time every single day that I would benefit from that. Oftentimes I fly with uh, inspiration or what I feel like doing that doesn't always work for me because I'm trying to to shoehorn things together. So that's the honest answer. I can yeah. maybe hear from you. I could say more like other things that I do, but that's the, it's a little chaotic. I love that because personally, I always feel like when people ask questions like that, I feel like this pressure to sort of like make up a system like, oh, I guess I sort of follow this. And and it's like kind of my answer also is kind of chaos. Like I kind of switch from one thing to another to sort of like propel things going forward. But I remember early on when we were both doing Ship 30 and we were like, you know, connected and we're talking about things. And I was at one point I was struggling and kind of reached out to you and like, how how are you sort of keeping things going? Like, how are your systems working? And you just said, uh, all my systems are in collapse, <laughs> which I loved because yeah. it felt like so honest and authentic and vulnerable of like, it's like the, uh, what is it? The duck metaphor where like everything looks calm on the surface, exactly. but it's chaos under the water. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I felt like because a lot of the content you create is very calming, like that's sort of your presence. And so I, I was almost like, well, he must have it all figured out. And to find out that you didn't like... Yeah was really freeing for me of like, hey, it's okay that we're both kind of behind the scenes in chaos, um, but putting our best foot forward, like that's not to take anything away from us, but it's like the reality. And I think systems can be really helpful, but part of the thing that I've just had to embrace with my ADHD brain is like systems are, I'm almost never going to find a system that's going to work long term. Yeah. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to get bored of it or I'm going to forget about it. And it just will sort of fade away a lot of the time. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I want to say that I, I do have many systems, but I choose systems to fit where I am in life. And mm. it actually was very difficult because sometimes people will ask me how I did something. And I, it's like alchemy. It's like the things come <laughs> yeah. together and it's just like kind of get into a flow. And sometimes I might open up in a mind map because that's going to relax my brain. It's other times I'll write something out a longhand. And so the way that I would describe it is what happens to my brain and, and my soul and my spirit, it's just like there's something churning and I have to find a way to relax my brain. So sometimes I might turn to a mind map. Sometimes I'm turn, I turn to analog writing. Sometimes I go into my database or my Obsidian vault and I, I start putting things together, but I don't have just one way to do it. I think the, the system that I want to create for myself is simply allocating the time and to say that from six mm -hmm. o'clock to mm -hmm. seven fifteen is my, my creative time and just to allow whatever happens. But yeah, I would never want to be in a situation in which maybe it's like school where the teacher says, okay, you just have to do it this one way. I want to embrace a, you know, sometimes I'm picking up crayons, sometimes I'm picking up chalk, sometimes I'm picking up, you know, watercolors, sometimes I'm picking up a camera. But the point is to make something beautiful. The tools 
don't really matter that much to me. Yeah, I, I love that. Absolutely. I think that's a great metaphor of remembering how we like so often people with ADHD like felt trapped in school and felt like those constraints and like that's I don't want to do it that way. And so I think kind of embracing that later in life and like as you're trying to, you know, being a creator and creating things, there's like this weird paradox, I feel like where we crave structure, we crave there being this perfect system that everything's going to be automated and everything's magically going to happen. And I think it's because we know about like the downfalls that can happen from the chaos. But chaos is kind of part of the package of like, I want to create amazing beautiful things chaos is going to be part of it i like the metaphor of juggling chainsaws where it's like that is chaos and it's dangerous and the more chainsaws you kind of add to that that situation the more like scary it is and it's all going to come crashing down but it's also exciting and interesting like like someone juggling like two chainsaws is great but if they're juggling like 12 it's like this is I can't take my eyes off it. Like this is chaos and I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's sort of kind of the thing like that chaos is almost important to being able to effectively create stuff that's interesting and doesn't feel like like you just kind of filled in a template to, uh, you know, write on another three point essay or whatever it might be. Like you're creating something unique partly because the systems aren't there. 100%. Um, yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And to know yourself and to know which tools to pick up when. So for example, I mentioned mind mapping. It's been one of the most important tools in my life because when I begin to mind map something, I could have a lot of ideas and I could start bouncing around and then it begins to take shape. I could start dragging things and creating order and seeing how things are connected. So that's been, that's been very helpful. Another thing that's been helpful for me is, is returning to analog journaling. So I use a, mm. a ballpoint pen or a fountain pen and a nice notebook. And when I started getting back into it, it was actually very agitating to me because it just, it, it just felt uncomfortable holding the pen and it felt hmm. slow, but it's actually been so helpful to, to slow down, to deepen. So yeah, I think those are just two examples that I, I, I mostly uh, mind map digitally, but I also like, uh, you know, writing longhand as well. Right, right. Yeah, I I mean you mentioned like it feeling slow. That's I I've tried to do that before. There's um oh, I don't remember the name. The the like doing morning pages. Yeah. There's the Julia book Cameron. The Artist's Way. Yeah. Yeah, Julia Cameron, thank you. Uh where she talks about doing morning pages and specifically recommending to like handwrite it and stuff like that. And I tried to do it. I did it two days in a row and I was like, it was torture. My brain was just like I could not slow down my brain. My brain was just mad at my my stupid hand the whole time that couldn't keep up. And then and then my handwriting gets like worse and worse and uh, terrible. So yeah, I think it's important to find systems that work for you. And that's awesome that that seems like it's really working for you and slowing down in in, in a good way and not in a um, angry brain way like mine was. Can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Because <laughs> yeah. so in the morning pages, she recommends recommends three pages longhand. And I finally rebelled against that. I, I've, I, I did that for years. And mm. instead, I've changed it to time. 
and it, it's made all the difference. Mm. So instead of three pages, I'll just set the timer for however much time I have, maybe maybe even five minutes, 20 minutes, and and I just write until it's done. And I used to get angry when I felt like I had to fill up three pages because I'm just like trying to go fast and my handwriting gets messy. But for me, yeah, that's just where to I say, was. yeah, I'm, I'm here for 10 minutes. And I also take the questions that you said. I'm a meditation teacher too. And I begin to turn them to myself. I'm being like, why am I so angry right now? Why is this so annoying? What's what's happening right here? What's underneath it? And just in staying present to myself and slowing down, I, I go to a deeper place. So for me, journaling in this way, it's a different way of meditating, but it's still a very soulful meditative act. So it, it does work for me quite a bit. And it, it's journaling, mind mapping, meditation. I think those are all different ways that I relax my brain. Just find a place of calm, spaciousness, openness. Once I get there, good things happen in my life. Right, right. That's awesome. I, I know there's been lots of studies that kind of show the effectiveness of, you know, just taking five minutes to meditate. And it's like the thing I wish I was better at and probably should spend some time trying to do more because the like the science is there to back it up. It's not like just some woo woo sort of thing. Like the, the science is there that shows how it can be effective and specifically that it can be effective in treating ADHD symptoms. So it's something I've wanted to do more of that I haven't. And, and I just do want to note that you, you use the word should. So don't should on yourself, Jesse, is the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the classic joke. I, I do have a concern that, yes, the science is there, but sometimes people push all of this too much as the magic bullet and, and the cure. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to meditate. You have to you know, journal three pages. Here's the way to do it. And for me, I always have a reaction against that as, as a meditation teacher, as a practitioner, because because all, everything that we've been talking about, I think, you know, in the you know, ADHD community, it's that we all have different different brains and different experiences. And for me, the the move is to find something that works. Again, I'm using the word like whatever relaxes my brain. And it's like that. If I don't meditate, my brain starts getting very busy and starts turning things over. I do have specific things that I do where I it will calm my anxiety. It will open up my brain. I see things in a different way. And I don't think there's just one way to do it. I think there's multiple paths to that. It's like, right. I don't want... Yeah. I never want to be the math teacher that says you, you have to do it this way <laughs> show your work and we don't do it like that we don't we don't draw boxes around our our problems so right right yeah that's that's a great point i think it's so important to recognize for me I, I always try to recognize things that are working and hang on to them so like i have like i have certain albums that i listen to because they help get me into the right zone and like like this album over here might be really good for like, oh, I got to do like work, some programming stuff. Or this other other soundtrack is like my go-to for writing. Like I need to spit a bunch of ideas out. And I nice. kind of have those like it. Yeah, it's just like kind of recognizing those things that work and hanging on to them and then trying to recreate that sort of environment, which is effective. Like that environment stuff, I think, really can help a lot. One final thing I want, I want to ask before we get to shiny objects. So you've sort of been talking lately a lot about parenting, being a father. And I know you recently have talked about your you know, your relationship with your father yeah. um, and all that that kind of entails. And just want want to give you like a space to sort of talk about like what what is sort of your mission right now 
and your your message that you're trying to spread. Yeah, thanks, Jesse. My idea is to deepen my experience of being a son and deepen my experience of being a dad and to share that with other people. I have suffered deeply as both a son and as a dad, and I have so much wisdom and experience to to share. I know that there are many younger dads. I'm 56. I, I know there's dads in their 30s and 40s that maybe don't have a community, they're trying, they're struggling, they're trying to figure it out. And I feel very fortunate that I've had, throughout my whole life, I've had incredible mentors and fantastic training that has prepared me for all of the challenges that I've had in my in my life. And so I wanna be a person who, who gives back and supports other people on their journeys. Life can be tremendously challenging and difficult. And I wanna be a rock and a guide and a light for people that are are going through difficult times. That is awesome. I love that. I I think your your presence on uh, Twitter and wherever else is just so positive and encouraging, and you just have a warm presence, uh, which I think is partly why we we connected. And yeah, I just love seeing what you're doing. Thank you. And where you're going from here. Uh, it's awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Now it's time for Shiny Objects, a place to share what shiny objects have grabbed your interest lately, or just something you can recommend to people that you might find fascinating or useful, uh, whether it's a book, movie, whatever it is. So the problem, Jesse, is when you say, what's one shiny object? It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, my, my life doesn't work like that. It's like, you mean the shiny objects of today or the shiny objects? So I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you two. So, perfect, so, perfect. So it's on Monday, Apple released a new, software update and there's a new technology called universal control and what enables you to do is have your mac computer here and your ipad right next to it and so using the same keyboard and mouse you're able just to drag over to your ipad and start typing on the ipad and then just drag your mouse back and you're typing on your computer so i think that mm. is uh, a very interesting tool for me as a writer and as a creator to be able to to be able to use two screens, use the iPad in a different way. I also know that it could be very tempting. Oh, let me just go over to the iPad and check <laughs> Twitter and see what's happening over there. So I know it's a double-edged yes, sword. Yes, yes. The second thing that I want to say, which I think is incredibly helpful, there's an app called Endel. E-N-D-E-L. And it's a music app, AI-generated music, and I simply love it. I love it for many different reasons. When I'm working, I don't have to think about what music I'm going to put on. I just put on my headphones and I begin working, and I know that it just psychologically, emotionally, it gets me into the groove of, of creation. In addition, there's a timer built into it. So what I do is when I work, I'll, I'll set this timer, mm -hmm. but I'll also set the timer in the music to end a few minutes before this one so that I could wrap up whatever I'm doing. So Endel would be my uh, app that I, I enjoy working with. And third one, my son is a music creator too, so <laughs> I like to listen to his music too. So Quagis, Q-A-G-I-S. Nice. So plug him as well. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, Endel's great. I used to use it. I switched to using Brain FM, which is really similar. And yeah, I use it very similar to you. It's just so nice to like, sometimes I have a soundtrack that I need to go to. And sometimes it's like, I don't know, I just need sound happening. And I don't want to have to pick something. I just like open the app, set it to go. And yeah, Endel's great. Endel also has like the really creative little animations that happen exactly. on the screen, which I yeah, those are those are really fun. My shiny object just real quick. I, I've been watching this 
show Severance, which is on Apple TV Plus, and it's this wild dystopian show. Like it's basically, it's not like future dystopian, it's like modern time, but there's this company that the main character, Adam Scott, works at, and they are into some like shady practices. I don't want to spoil it for people that are going to watch it. The trailer does kind of spoil some things, so I would avoid the trailer and just watch the first episode and see if you like it, but it's just that, that right level of creepy and mystery and you're trying to kind of figure out like what like what's behind this company because obviously there's a lot of weird things going on but you can't really explain it yet anyway that's like the show that my wife and i every every time a new episode comes out on friday we gotta we gotta get to severance and watch that one and it's directed by ben stiller which is kind of random because it's Who's... not not comedy at all it's kind of dark comedy but yeah i just can i give go one more sure yeah all right so one, one more would be your, um... your fourth fourth one yeah exactly ricky uh, gervais uh afterlife have you heard of that? Mm. So I've heard of it. I haven't seen any of it, but yeah, I've heard of it. it yeah. It's 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 extraordinary. So I thought of it because you you mentioned a comedian doing something different. It's it's brilliant. It's very very complicated about uh, grieving and relationships and community. Highly recommend it. Awesome. All right. And finally, like where, if people want to see what you're doing, where can they follow you and see kind of your uh, goings on? Like what what's going on with Steven Scott? Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. The uh, the easiest way is to find me on Twitter. I'm S-S-C-O-T-T-Y. Oh, it's at, at Scotty. I know you, I'm laughing because I know that's confused you in the in the past. So S-S-C-O-T-T-Y. In my head, you are Scotty. That's like the head. That's I had to, I just said your name Stephen Scott and I had to think about it like what's the name because in my head it's S Scotty like that's just in our brain but it makes it really easy to remember your Twitter name just S Scotty yeah well you call me Scotty anytime you want you call me Steve you call me Stephen <laughs> I'll answer to most things awesome cool well thank you so much for being here this is great Jesse it's great to be on your show thank you so much for having me that's our show. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show and the other work I do, you can go to patreon.com slash jessej. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. Please don't sign up if it causes you any hardship or difficulty. And you can always support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or hey, why not both? Full show notes and transcription are available at ADHDnerds.com.